I know the holidays are a time we're all supposed to get excited about, but sometimes it just feels like I can't celebrate until I get through my never-ending to-do list. That includes gifts. It's exhausting. I mean, I love the smile on people's faces when I get them something that's going to be meaningful and that they love, but the truth is it's also really hard and I'm really getting tired of giving people the same old, same old. I mean, I feel like we're finally emerging from this pandemic and I just want something that will get them to smile. So my team and I have been working really hard to up the ante over at Grown Up Gear with some super fun new stuff. My personal favorite, the baby bibs and the onesies with phrases like, I can't believe you're the grown up either, and new colors and designs of our top selling generosity line. And for the holidays, if you spend just $50 on any of the items from our generosity collection, we will gift you a $10 gift certificate that you can spend on something to be generous to, well, yourself. Just use code HOLIDAY, H-O-L-I-D-A-Y. And thanks again to everyone supporting Grown Up Gear. Your business helps support projects like this podcast, which remain free for all of you. Happy holidays, guys. Rather than think about the ideal job, I say think about the life that you want. Because if you're getting paid at such a high rate that it makes your life the kind of life you want, then you can do other things. You didn't sell out. You're listening to Money Tips for Financial Grownups with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grownup. And you know what? When it comes to money, being a grownup is hard. But together, we got this. Hey, grown up friends. Did you always know what you wanted to do for a living? I kind of did. I wanted to be a journalist pretty early on. And while I have been able to do that, and you'll see why this is important, I have been able to get paid pretty well for it. This week's guest has me thinking it might have been okay or even pretty good to have tried out some other stuff first. But in my early 20s, I was in such a rush to follow my passion and turn it into a paying job. I mean, look, there was pressure from parents, from teachers, from friends that were doing this to just get started, to be the grown up right away, lock it in, define who you are. Now, again, to be clear, it's worked out pretty well. But looking back, I kind of wish I had known this week's guest back then and with the wisdom that she has now since we are peers. But she wasn't so sure about what her passion was. And that also worked out pretty well for her. And it's going to be interesting for you to hear what she has to say. It's pretty epic stuff. Terry Trespicio gave a TED Talk a few years ago. It has racked up close to 8 million views. And by the time this goes out, it could be even more. It is amazing. It is about unfollowing your passion. And now she has a book by that same name, which follows up on that really landmark talk. I mean, this talk, I can't even begin to tell you how much it mattered to so many people. So in my interview with Terry, we get into how her winding path to finding her passion actually led to this aha moment that that is not what it's all about. And most important, how we can all use Terry's experiences to take the pressure off and find out what we actually want to do or confirm, it's okay, confirm that we're doing what we want to do. And that's good too. But to be clear, sometimes it's okay to have a job that's for money to follow your passion. And so it's okay to just kind of work for the money. 
I mean, not to be so miserable, but you guys get the idea. Anyway, this interview is going to have you taking action and getting excited about your future. I promise you that. You got to hear it from Terry herself. I'm not as good at explaining this as Terry. So let's get to it. Here is Terry Trespicio. Terry Trespicio, you are a financial grown up. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. I am so glad that you are here. You are well known for your TED Talk. Tell us a little bit about that and then tell us about the book now following the TED Talk called Unfollow Your Passion. The TED Talk I gave in 2015. It's called Stop Searching for Your Passion. I gave it and I thought, great, whoever was there in the audience saw it and that's probably the last time anyone will. And I was wrong about that. It took off. The thesis is that the question we ask each other and ourselves, whether we should or have found the one thing we should be doing is not a helpful question. It is incredibly limiting and it presumes that we're supposed to know what we're doing. And I'm not convinced that any of us does. <laughs> so I no. took issue with or it. it changes. And that's an important point that you bring up in this book that I'm so happy we finally, finally have. Okay. So taking that, the book really expands on the idea of the TED Talk about how we balance this whole notion of passion with look, we do need the practical reality that we have to earn money. And we also want to be happy because we spend a lot of time doing the things that earn us money very often. Not always. Some of us are fortunate. We don't have to spend a lot of time, but most of us spend a good deal of time at what we like to refer to as work or things that bring in money. Yes, both those things. And the book picks up where the TED Talk leaves off and goes deeper to question all of the ways in which we have assessed career and meaning and value and time, especially now. And people are going, what am I spending my time on? And is it worth it? I loved the book and I pulled some of my favorite grown-up tips from it to share. So the first one, which goes to what you were just saying, and you were sort of, you know, it's, well, the tip is that you should get a job, any job that pays money when you're sort of lost. And this relates back to you soon after you graduated college, you know, going back to what you just said about all this pressure on finding the one thing, you were sort of stuck because you were doing nothing because it wasn't the one thing. I would get offers for jobs and I would turn them down. Low paying entry level jobs. And I'd say, I can't do that one. I can't do that one. My mom said, why? Why? I said, because uh, I don't want to do that for my life. She said, but you're not. I said, but I'll be trapped. If I take it, I'll be stuck there for life. And I don't know. I don't know. I was really in a bad place. She was like, listen to me. You have to take a job, any job, and you will figure it out, but you've got to start. And so finally, when I finally said, okay, fine, it wasn't a dream job. It wasn't meant to be a dream job. It was an executive assistant job at a management consulting company in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I knew nothing of what they talked about. I didn't understand it. They were super brilliant people, went to MIT. I was charged with sit there and answer the phone and make travel arrangements and do things I didn't know how to do. You'd say, well, is that why would that be some kind of breakthrough job? Because I had a place to go and I had a job, a salary, benefits, people who waited for me in the morning and called me by name during the day. And I felt like I had a purpose there, which I did until I left. But if you don't let yourself do it. Right. Ah. Well, and, and it was a grown up job. And that's actually, you know, the second point, the second tip that I wanted to talk to you about was just that commitments. People overthink this idea of commitments that they have to commit to that job forever when that's far from the truth. And by the way, job is not committing to you, you point out too. Oh, definitely not. Commitment does not have to be lifelong. Commitment means you're in it right at that moment. And you're very candid in the book. For example, you talk about being laid off and how it just sort of at the moment was so devastating because you felt committed and it was apparently a one-sided commitment at that moment. Well, let's be real. By the time I got laid off from Martha Stewart, 
in my mind, the writing was on a wall a little bit because my boss had been had left and they brought in a new editor-in-chief of that magazine. And that editor-in-chief didn't know me at all. And I thought, there goes my connection. Like, it just, I had a feeling, but I was also afraid to leave the full-time job. Well, you can't leave a full-time job when you don't have any, something else. But by the time it happened, I remember the day before I got laid off, I said, you know what's funny? I would imagine there might be a chance I could get laid off and it happened the next day because they were cutting, cutting, cutting. It just, magazines weren't making Martha all the money. And ultimately the magazine I worked for closed a few months later. So that's it. But I didn't feel betrayed, actually. I said, I need to leave, but it was almost like, you're going to have to break up with me because I don't know if I'm going to leave. And then they did. And when I knew that commitment ended, I was a little bit fearful, but I knew then that I had to do something. Again, that prompted me to dig in. The third tip that I want to discuss is that you talk about avoiding doing something just because other people say you should. And you give the example of Michelangelo, which I thought was so genius. It came out of the work of fiction about his life by Irving Stone, The Agony and the Ecstasy. And there's a moment when Michelangelo just wants to sculpt. He endures drawing or painting. He doesn't love it. He wants to be a sculptor and he gets an opportunity in Lorenzo's paid sculpture garden. Paid. Paid, paid. paid being in the sculpture garden. He was very excited about it. And he's like, this is so great. It was like the equivalent of being like a writer at SNL, except you're doing sculpture from marble. And one of his friends says, you know, let's get out of here. What if this garden goes down? What if we don't, no one cares about this. Why are we doing this? It's not at the top of my list. And Michelangelo said, there is no list. This is all I want to do. Now, that doesn't mean Michelangelo is right and his friend would have been the next genius sculptor. It wasn't right for that kid. And I believe they were kids at the time. That kid wanted something steady. He said, let's get into something that makes some money, like pork. Maybe he went on to be a pork salesman. Who knows? But Michelangelo said, no, this is what I'm doing right now. He And he didn't say, someday I'm going to be. He was just like, this is all it. This is it. Now, he knew, but there's my, there's a proof my point though, Bobby, because we don't all grow up craving marble. I didn't. I wasn't like, I'm going to do this. That's the rare. Most of us are afraid and wanting to do something that makes money. But the idea that you have to make both the answer, that you have to do what you love and make a fortune doing it, is a lot of pressure. There's a lot of things that focus on being in the right mindset in your book. So the fourth grown-up tip is think about the effect of being paid when you do something for paid. How does the, how does being paid make you feel? And I mean, for me, I had a candid conversation with a friend of mine who had a very high-paying job that she didn't love, but she loved the money. And, she's, and she didn't hate the job, but she really liked being paid so much money because it opened up opportunities. And she's like, yeah, I took the job for the money. And somehow people have trouble with that, but... I really liked being paid a high salary. But that's the life. Rather than think about the ideal job, I say, think about the life that you want. Because if you're getting paid at such a high rate that it makes your life the kind of life you want, then you can do other things. You're, you didn't sell out. I really hate this idea. You don't have to turn everything you love into a business. First of all, not everyone should. It has to be an entrepreneur. And there's nothing wrong with taking something. You don't win points for being a starving artist. I'm sorry, you just don't, unless you don't mind someone finding yourself 20 years from now and maybe caring about it. I'd rather enjoy the stuff I'm doing now. So well said. All right, number five, jobs are not all or nothing. There's a lot of nuance. We tend to be very literal with jobs. This is my problem with the linear thinking around jobs, that we're only this job or we're defined by this job. Anyone you can think of who has a job that that's what they do, I guarantee you they have lots of other things they love to do too. 
on one hand, we want the work to inspire us and we want to be known for doing something wonderful. But who said that the thing you create that's amazing has to be the thing you're getting paid for? I think we don't open up the bandwidth enough to see all of the potential from all the things we can do. This is what I usually say, Bobby, is that the world does not owe you a job that suits your dreams and passion. The world does not owe you that. It's on you to figure out a way to do something you love that matters to someone else. No one just pays you more because you like it. That is not how it works. It's not how the economy works. One of the stories you share in the book that I love is about your sister, who is a very talented singer, but that is not the job for pay that she wanted. Right. My sister is an amazing singer. She could have had a chance of making a living as a singer. I don't know that she would have been like J-Lo. I just know that she could have made a living singing, and she knew that from an earlier age. And she fought it and said, no way, no way, no how. And no one understood it, and they still don't. If they hear her sing, which she does do for fun, you're so good. You could have been famous. Why don't you do that? And she's like, do you understand that at my, if I could have been the most successful you could be as a singer, my life would be singing every day or traveling all the time. She said, my big goal is to have my own house, to have a couch, to sit on it every night, to watch TV and have kids and a dog. That is the life I want. You mm -hmm. don't get to make a living as a huge recording artist and then never go out and tour or perform. She said, I want to do it when I do it. And if I made singing my life, I would have come to resent it. One of the other themes that you talk about that I really picked up on is don't be judgy, especially of yourself. And I'm referring to, for example, the idea that you were selling jewelry in the suburbs on this MLM. You embraced it. You were good at it. You learned a lot from it. You formed relationships from it. It worked for you oh, at that time. I was bad at it at first. And I was like, really? I feel weird selling. I was a copywriter. I, this was not my jam. But I, I quite frankly needed to earn the money and I really liked the jewelry. And so I realized liking jewelry and having a passion for accessorizing does not directly link to a, a skill in sales that I had to learn. It was tough, but I was incentivized to learn it. And when I figured out how to make it work for me, it was something I did well at. I didn't do it very long. I think I did this organization for like maybe two years, if that. And then I kept those skills in my back pocket. And then when I got laid off, and had to work for myself, guess what I pulled out? My mm -hmm. skills that I had learned on how to sell. And now I had to sell myself. So nothing is wasted. No job, no opportunity is wasted if you know to take those skills and use them somewhere else to benefit you. Right. Because what we're hearing is whether it's the executive assistant job or the job selling jewelry at these parties, these were all things that built up who you are and the skill set that you had. And had you been judgy about them and looked down on them and not realized the opportunity in them, you would not be where you are today. Oh, you know, I used to make a joke about earning an MFA in poetry. First of all, it was not a joke. It was a very expensive investment that my family was able to and willing to make for me. So there is a level of privilege right there. You don't need to go get an MFA. Did you make an argument there of how it would lead to income someday when you were nope. asking them to pay for I it? I said, this is what I want to do. I want to be in this program and learn it and to become better at it. I don't know how it'll directly relate, but it is a master's degree and it could really be helpful. And I don't know how. My family was willing to back me on that. Plenty of people wouldn't. And you don't need an MFA to be a writer. However, I used to joke about it later. Oh, I had an MFA in poetry. You know, it was real practical. Well, in fact, today I make my living, a lot of it from writing. And what did I do? I apprenticed to study 
the words, the beats, the lines. I basically consider myself today a corporate poet. I use the skills I studied to create poetry for companies, to make it sing on the page. And that comes from years of study of line beats and forms and all of that stuff. So I had the weird life that just is uniquely mine, but so did everyone else's. But I hear people dismissing, oh, I did that for a while. That was stupid. Or I did that. That was dumb. What did you, you learned something. Why would you let it go to waste? There isn't a thing I did that I don't use. We have to look and see if the URL of the corporate poet is available for you. I feel like we that's should. a good brand for you. <laughs> I don't know if a company wants to invest in a bard, but no, but you call it the corporate poet, which is which is really what it is. I think that's a very catchy brand for you someone think? that does something. Yes, maybe I'll do I it. Do. The corporate <laughs> poet, do it before this airs. All right, the last one. This is my favorite one because it's just so you explore your off-label use. Yes. This is, again, taking stock, and I walk people through that in the book, of all the skills you've learned, no matter if it was paid or unpaid, whether it was what you learned from babysitting or raising your own kids or running this nonprofit. You don't look at it just by, well, how much should I get paid there? What are the skills that you know and how can you use them? Off-label meaning, yeah, I trained as a poet. So now I know language really well. I also work as a brand advisor, so I know that. But the brand advising work, I can do that for anyone and anything. Stop looking at our skills. Stop looking at your own skills as tunnel vision, like they only work here. Your whole batch of skills is like a bag of tricks, and you can take it from landscape to landscape, from one group to another. The creativity, everyone's always saying they want to have a creative career. The creativity in a career does not come whether it's labeled creative. It's how are you using all of these different skills to light up different areas of your work and different people? How do you all your different skills help people in ways you might not have thought about? That's the magic. That really, really is. So well said and so much great stuff in your book, Unfollow Your Passion, How to Create a Life That Matters to You. And I love on the cover that to you is in script and underlined because that's really the big thing I think that stands out, that it's unique to you and everyone needs to take what matters to them from this book. And there's a lot to take there. Tell us more about the book, what you have planned. I know you're doing a lot of promotion for it and then how yeah. people can get in touch with you and follow you and all the, all the good things. Well, the to you, by the way, Imagine if it didn't have to you at the bottom. It would just say, how to create a life that matters. Who says what matters? That's the key. It doesn't have to matter to anyone else but you. But people, I'll say more women than men, are concerned that their life isn't serving enough people in enough ways. And as they say, if you live out what everyone else wants, what are you left with? So my mm -hmm. hope for the book is, yeah, of course. Yeah, I hope people read it and use it. The thing that I most hope that it will do for people, it's not going to tell you what you should pursue in your career, that it's too linear. That's not my job. I would be very arrogant to think I could tell you that. But I would hope that it will open up your thinking and unlock something so that you don't feel chained to one way, one role, one path for being in the world. That is a kind of self-imposed prison. And the sooner we can free ourselves of that and see that we really do get to make things up as we go and our lives can be what we want. The sooner we do that, the freer and the more self-possessed we will be. And isn't that the goal? The goal isn't just happy. The goal is free. So well said. Where can people be in touch with you? 
Well, they can find me. I'm on all the things and I'm the only one with my name. So if you look up me up, you will find me. But if you want to learn more about the book, it's at unfollowyourpassion.com because that's easier to remember than my name. Uh, but of course, uh, you can find me at Teacher Specio on Instagram. Terry Gisbecio, if you Google it, the Google knows how to correct the spelling no matter how you do it. And I would love to hear from people. Thank you so much. Thank you. Love that part about being a corporate poet. She really is. And that story about her sister's incredible singing talent really hits home. It makes so much sense. Just because you have a talent that others will pay you for doesn't mean you have to go sell that talent for a living if it's not going to give you the life you want. You want to do something that will give you the life that you want. It's also okay to take a job that you don't love, but of course, Obviously, you don't want to take a job that you hate, but you love the fact that it pays super well and gives you something that you're really into. It gives you the ability to do things that you can afford to do. Jobs don't have to be for fun. They really can be for the money. After all, companies are paying you to do what they need to get done. They are not paying you to fulfill your dreams. If they work together, great. But if not, well, seriously, you are in the majority. Don't sweat it. Enjoy the regular paycheck and health insurance and so on. I highly encourage everyone to not just check out Terry's book, Unfollow Your Passion, but also to check out some of her other content. She creates so much great stuff and has all of these workshops and other resources, including, but not limited to, by the way, her TED Talk invest your time in her teachings, all to be found at unfollowyourpassion.com. And big thanks to the wonderful Terry Trespicio for helping us all be financial grownups. Money Tips for Financial Grownups is a production of BRK Media, LLC. Editing and production by Steve Stewart, guest coordination, content creation, social media support, and show notes by Ashley Wall. You can find the podcast show notes, which include links to resources mentioned in the show, as well as show transcripts by going to my website, bobbyrebell.com. You can also find an incredible library of hundreds of previous episodes to help you on your journey as a financial grown-up. The podcast and tons of complimentary resources associated with the podcast is brought to you for free, but I need to have your support in return. Here's how you can do that. First, connect with me on social media at BobbyRebel1 on Instagram and BobbyRebel on both Twitter and on Clubhouse, where you can join my Money Tips for Grownups Club. Second, share this podcast on social media and tag me so I can thank you. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Reading each one means the world to me. And you know what? It really motivates others to subscribe. You can also support our merch shop, grownupgear.com, by picking up fun gifts for your grown-up friends and treating yourself as well. And most of all, help your friends on their journey to being financial grown-ups by encouraging them to subscribe to the podcast. Together, we got this. Thank you for your time and for the kind words so many of you send my way. See you next time. And thank you for supporting Money Tips for Financial Grownups.